0: helps you to understand and experience the depth of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Older Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 13 through 21. Glory to you, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to defy the family inheritance with me." But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life is not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable, the land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years, be last. Eat, drink, and be merry. But he said to so him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So does with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Like I said, I wanted to start off with the Ecclesiastes passage have that provide the basis for our sermon. And in the second part, we'll get to the gospel lesson on how the two tie together. How many people have read the Bible straight through, word for word, and understood everything? (laughs) Yeah, let me finish the question first. (laughs) It is hard to understand. Ecclesiastes is one of those books in which scholars have really debated about why it was included, what it means, uh, why it was written, who was written for all of it. It's just a lot of questions behind it. Because how many people felt really uplifted after reading that Ecclesiastes passage? <laughs> right? Listen to some of these words. Vanities of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun. See all this vanity and a chasing the wind. And then, what do mortals get for all their toil and strain with which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain, and their work is vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. Oh. It's depressing, and it's meant to. Why it is interesting that Ecclesiastes was included in? But as I learn about it, I think it's good that it is. One vanity, of vanity. What is what? It, normally, we use the word vain. It means maybe someone is a little bit self-centered, right? If I think of someone who's vain, right here in front of the mirror, fixing the hair, making sure everything is straight, spotless, looks good, hip, whatever it might be, right? Here, vanity doesn't mean so much of that. But it's more like vapor, something that's here today, gone tomorrow, that you can't quite grasp. You know, it's steam, it's if you take off, if you have a pot of oil and water, right, you take off that lid, and the steam comes up, and then if you try and capture that, right, it's gone. It's this smoke that just, it's temporary. You can't quite grasp it. It's that chasing after the wind. Can you ever catch the wind? Right? Thank you, what range so, that will happen. make that your name. Well done. Right? You can't catch the wind. Ecclesiastes is almost coming to the point that you just want to say, forget it. I'm done. <laughs> it's hopeless, right? We work and we work and we work for what? You can't take it with you. That somebody if they didn't work for, it, they're not going to appreciate it. It's just, and while we have this passage that comes in the gospel lessons, first uh, in the Ecclesiastes, right? In the gospel, we hear, "I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry." That actually is kind of the point of Ecclesiastes. It comes in chapter nine. It's kind of saying everything's pointless. I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. Live in the moment. Live in the now. Forget everything else. Nothing is worth it. Just, right? What's interesting, why that is included, is that isn't the story of the Hebrew or the Israelite people in the Old Testament. That is the story that was predominant of the time. Time doesn't really move forward. There isn't progress. What was, always will be that was the thought. It's just nothing new under the sun. The story of the Israelite is that there is hope. That God enters into this, calls the people through Abraham and descendants, and says, go from this place and be a light among the nations. Things don't always have to be the way they were. There is progress. Things can get better. The story of the Old Testament, of the Hebrew Bible, is the journey of the people trying to figure out what that means. And some days it does well, and some days not so well. Ecclesiastes is a book that, even though it's in the middle of maybe the latter third of the Hebrew Bible, is really written very late, maybe around 250 or so BC the time of Christ in which the people are without a king, right? The people, they have their own land as part of the promise of David. They go in, they settle it and then the Syrians and the Babylonians come in. Now they don't have they've kingdom occupied and they're in the midst of this desert time. Where is God? Yes, they might have had a hope or a promise that is leading them somewhere but they've forgotten that hope and that promise. Ecclesiastes is expressing an opinion of, whatever. I'm done. Nothing is worth it anymore. Is anything ever going to get better? It seems like the same things just keep happening. Anybody feel like that this morning? Right? The author's answer to that feeling is eat dream to be married. Forget it. I'm not going to engage in it. I'm just going to be here, be now. And that's it. I die when I die. Whatever. The gospel passage deals with something similar. Someone is looking for value and worth and worth. What can I hold on to? What can I grasp? They haven't given up hope, so to speak. Their hope is in material possessions, isn't it? Their hope is, you know what? I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to collect things. I'm going to hoard. I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'm now going to eat, drink, and be married. And if those of you can't, well, <laughs> I can. And that's what I work toward. That's what I'm going to do, right? They've come to the same conclusion, eat, drink, and be merry. But they come to it from a different way, right? They still have hope. Their hope is just misplaced in my opinion. I think those two modes of thinking us up pretty well. would you not agree? Maybe it's we've given up hope whatever or maybe it's I have hope but my hope is misplaced it's in something that ultimately can't give hope right? I can speak for myself when I wake up to news or I'm in the middle of the night and I see news again of other mass shootings. I'll be honest, it veers me more toward the Ecclesiastes line of thinking. Whatever. Nothing new under the sun. It's just going to keep happening. So I'm just gonna stay in my lane, (laughs) right? Hope it doesn't get here, whatever it might be, and just Whatever happens, happens. I think think honestly, that's part of the reason why churches aren't full anymore. It's because we've given up hope. Church hasn't given them hope. To say, you know what? Life can get better, it will get better. Isn't that God's promise to us? That what happens, what is happening, does not win will not have the final say. Yes, it has a loud voice now. There is no denying it. And yet, our hope is the voice that seems to be screaming the loudest will not be screaming at the end. And so then we do have a choice. What voice do we listen to? how do we behave in the face of tragedy, despair, hopelessness? Do we say, eat, drink, be merry, whatever, stay in my mind Do we build bigger and bigger barns? Isolate ourselves? Collect? Take safety into our own hands? See, the world's a big, bad, dangerous place, and so I'm just going to Calibrate here and keep everybody else out? Or do we trust what God has said? And I think this is what Jesus is getting at, right? And at the end, and we get it here. This very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So as with those who store up treasures for themselves, we're not rich toward God." What does it mean to be rich toward God? That really is the question at hand, right? It's something, a phrase we can say, but what does it mean? What does it look like? What is? How is it tangible? Because that is how we live, I think, is how we demonstrate or how we show how we live into the trust of God's hope and God's promise. How would you, our relationship with violence, and do we think that's going to be the answer, right? Not just for somebody else in a Walmart or a nightclub, but in our own lives. How do we view our relationship with guns? How do we view our relationship with other people that aren't from here? How do we view whatever it might be? How we view those things is how we view our relationship or put trust in God. If in the end, God wins, what would that look like? If it was implemented today, here, and now. What would that look like? Seems like a pipe dream, doesn't it? Seems like, but that's not real. But that can happen. I might be that line of think goes back to, well, whatever. Eat, drink, and be merry. I'll just gather up and build bigger barns and keep myself safe and isolated and let all the danger and stuff happen out there as people of faith we're called to engage in that we're called to struggle in that we're called to think about the assumptions that we have been taught we're called to grapple with the ways of thinking that seem so predominant and is God calling us through to a new way of living a new way of life new way of being. So we gather every Sunday because it's hard. Because it's easy to say whatever. No thanks. I'm out. But we gather here there is another story that is being written that we are a part of that we trust will be what wins today that God wins, peace wins, hope wins and so we work to make that as much of a reality in the world today as we can through the ways that we treat ourselves through the ways that we treat those whom we love through the ways whom we treat those whom we hate or those who hate us the song, Christ be our light. The opening bulletin, too. I like verse number two. I like them all, But longing for peace, our world is troubled. Longing for hope, many despair. Your word alone has power to save us make us a living voice. So much of it isn't just yes, a living voice. is isn't just words, but it's living. It has actions. It has something that is behind it. It moves and it breathes and it acts. It speaks up. It isn't complacent or off to the side or just whatever. But it puts itself in uncomfortable situations. May we sing about this lovely voice now and we hear it in our lives. Stand and That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening and don't forget you are loved.